And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. and welcome to Down the Garden Path, where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to seasonally manage, help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down-to-Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author, Matthew Dressing. Hello, Matt. Hello, Joanne, and good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right, and we're really excited about the topic this evening. A friend of mine and an amateur butter and butterfly enthusiast, Lisa Ray Cormack, is joining us to talk about harvesting milkweed and how we can grow it from seed, from that very seed in the spring. So if you have always wanted to grow milkweed, or if you have questions about raising and caring for monarchs, or if you've done this yourself, we would love to hear from you. Please send us your questions or comments to down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com. That's right. So just a little bit before Elisa Ray, before she joins us, Lisa Ray is a wife, mother, and HR professional from Whitby, Ontario. Lisa Ray started raising monarchs when she became an empty nester as her son left home for college five years ago. To date, she has raised and released close to 400 monarch butterflies. This wouldn't be possible without the monarch caterpillars, only source of food, milkweed. What started as a small indoor project has grown over the years to incorporate an outdoor enclosure, vast pollinator gardens, and two variations of milkweed. Her operation is coined hashtag fly be free. <laughs> and in 2020, she officially is certified as a registered monarch waystation by monarchwatch.org. Though trial and error, through trial and error, Lisa Ray has taught herself how to harvest, stratify, and germinate common milkweed for this purpose. Welcome to the show, Lisa Ray. Great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for the introduction. Hi, Joanne. Hello. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you, you were happy. You, it was your idea to come on the show to talk <laughs> about this topic. And uh, it's such a timely one. Um, so yeah, so I'm re- we're both really happy to have you. Um, mm-hmm. And we would love, I mean, in addition to becoming an empty nester. Now, didn't your son come back from college? Or you- uh, yeah, he's back, but I got attached to the raising of monarch butterflies. So that too has stayed around. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. good. That's good. So um, tell us more about how you um, got started down this path. Well, it's a, it's kind of interesting. I kind of stumbled upon... Um, at my first intro to a monarch butterfly enclosing. I mean, I think most kids nowadays in, in kindergarten or grade one get to see that transformation happening or learn about it in books. Well, I don't know what happened. I totally missed that part of school. I, mm-hmm. When I saw this monarch, I was at a meeting because my son was in a robotics cl- a club or team. And I was a mentor on that team. And there was other teachers that were mentors. So the teacher had, I guess, over the years of his teaching had, this is something that he had adopted as his own hobby. So he brought one in, he said, just so you guys for interest's sake, we happen to have a monarch in closing today, if anybody's interested and brought it in. I'm looking at this thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah. 
there's no way. And I watched it in close and I was just completely blown away because I hadn't actually contemplated how monarchs or how butterflies come to be actually. Mm. So it started kind of, uh, you know, just with wonder and, you know, just, I was, I was like, how's this happen? How, what do you mean? It was a caterpillar. How does this even work? So I did my, I did some research and I said to my husband, you know, maybe I should buy a milkweed plant. So he went and for my birthday in 2017, he bought me my first milkweed plant, but he Aww. bought it from like the, the store, like yes, the garden center. Yeah. Of course, we didn't know any better at that time. And I'll get into why that wasn't the best solution to what I wanted to accomplish. Anyway, so um, it, I was blown away to find a caterpillar on that milkweed. Like I was really shocked right away oh, yeah. when he bought you, like it came, he yeah. bought you and it came with a caterpillar. Yep. Yeah. I, <laughs> That's yeah. lucky. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. So I watched it. I left it outside. Cause I didn't, again, I didn't know any better. I watched it. And then one day it disappeared and I, I, I don't know whatever happened to it. So that was the end of that. And, uh, but then I thought that after doing research and that, I thought I better look into this a little more and find out like what happened to it. You know, what, how do I, how do I, watch it transform mm -hmm. like they did so that's where I really turned the corner and thought I'm gonna I'm gonna try this oh that's interesting yeah I've never seen it go from caterpillar to like in, but I've seen it once it's enclosed like that little mm -hmm. jewel it looks like a jewel it's gorgeous with the gold dots on it the bright it's yeah. almost the color of Matt's sweater it's yes. this beautiful green emerald green and with these gold dots on it. And then it turns black just before it's about to enclose. That's how you know. The day it's going to enclose, it goes black. And you could see the orange of the in the monarch wing. And it's a translucent because you can see right through the chrysalis. It's phenomenal. Wow. And then it, it drops down and, you know, it needs time to for the wings to uh, all of the fluids to pump out of its body into its wings and dry out. So then it can be released. It's about a four hour process once it's enclosed, but wonderful. Yeah. But one of my, one of my favorite parts is actually watching the caterpillars eat and the amount of food that they go through and how they transform. And, you know, and it, it's fascinating to me that milkweed is the only thing they live off of. Yeah. Yeah, it is incredible. Yeah, so then therefore crazy. you needed a good supply at home. Right. We're going to do that. So you kind of started with the milkweed. Now, what, did he buy you actually common milkweed or did he buy butterfly weed? It was a, it was a common milkweed he purchased because they oh, do okay. sell those locally. Uh, the problem that I found out with those is that because in the garden centers, oftentimes they're exposed to pesticides, the caterpillars don't survive mm. on there. So it's, it's not great. That's why. Um, I, you know, learned to figure I had to grow my own and, you know, make sure my husband didn't put any kind of chemicals anywhere near it. I'm very protective of my plants in my yeah. backyard. Yeah. Yeah. So now some people are worried that it's invasive. Like it can yes. be invasive. I, can like how, be. Do you have, to, how is it in your yard? Like, are you able That's to great control it? Yeah. So I started off putting containers because my husband likes his lawn. So I figured we, we got to have a happy medium. So I started off with um, pretty big containers and started that way. And the first year the that you plant common milkweed in particular, it doesn't grow that big. But the next year it really comes back with a vengeance. The second year is really its year. And uh, so 
I found that that was a wonderful thing, the fact that it would come back and it would grow. And I've been able to contain it. And the beautiful thing about it is you can move those pots around as needed. And it's really handy. So I've since found spots in my garden where I can have my own clusters. And they do, they, they do pop up. So you will get those suckers popping up because it's a weed. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to take over a little bit. But I'm happy to see that. <laughs> Yeah, so I get quite excited when I start getting new shoots coming up. They're like free free plants, right? That's right. (laughs) Yeah. And they do so well in the ground. I mean, containers are one thing they don't because they're restricted, they don't get as large as they do when you put them straight in the ground when you grow them in your property. So that's a that's a major difference there, too. Okay. Well, that's good to know that someone who because a lot of our listeners don't necessarily have big space, big gardens and lots Mm. of space. Um, so that's good to know that they do. Okay. If, mm-hmm. Would you say that they do? Okay. Yes, and big containers, they do. they do great. Um, yeah. Wondering Matt, if that's something you could do even on your balcony, right? Yeah. Yes, actually, I, I have some seeds that I've overwintered and stored. And that was one of the plans in one of our other years. But I think that's going to be the plan in my ornamental tree container for next year. Oh, um, wonderful. This, this season coming yeah do a little bit of a butterfly garden yeah yeah and you'll need some sun do you have some sun on your balcony yep okay great good yeah because they love the sun they thrive in the sun so that's great he does veggies and a few other things so it's so I thought oh and he's been successful with potatoes and lots of things so oh cool yeah that's on one of my definite challenge lists (laughs) right can you grow out there yeah for sure so and you plant them and they will come they will come. The monarchs will come. You'll be surprised. Yeah. They sniff it out. They know where to go. Nice. So cool. Yeah. We did have a, a couple of questions um, pop in. Carla has written in. Hi, Joanne and Matt. Great topic tonight. My question is, is milkweed a perennial? I think you touched a little bit on that. Yeah. So I have two different types that I grow in my backyard and one's a perennial and one's an annual. And the annual is called tropical milkweed. And I kind of grow them for two different purposes, kind of same purpose, but I, I enjoy them for various reasons. Let's put it that way. So the, the annual kind, that tropical kind, I, I have purchased those seeds and once, and then now I harvest my own seeds year over year. Okay. Yeah. So they have these beautiful orange and yellow flowers and they're so uh, they grow, they grow fast and they bloom fast and they bloom all season. It's beautiful and it's wonderful. So common milkweed doesn't do that. They kind of bloom, they last for about a week and then it goes away. So it's mm-hmm. kind of, oh, yeah. anticlimactic. But yeah. <laughs> and, and there be the common uh, milkweed blooms a beautiful pink and it does have a nice aroma to it, but again, it doesn't last. So I grow the tropical to attract the butterflies to attract the um, monarchs and uh, also to have it for aesthetics because I love the way it looks it's gorgeous so I have a planter across my deck it's probably 10 feet long and it's just full of tropical milkweed along the fence and it does quite well again in a sunny location right now so they can still so it's still considered a milkweed the the monarchs can still eat from it definitely yes yep Yeah, that's one I haven't heard of. Matt, have you heard of that one? Yeah, tropical milkweed. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. 
And, and do you find that the monarchs, um, are they eating the leaves? Do you find anybody's eating the leaves? Or do you find it's also just a nectar pollen resource for the adults? It's both. It's both. So I love watching the adults come and feed off of it because they, they do love it. Uh, they do lay eggs. Females do lay the eggs on the uh, tropical milkweed. And I often scoop the eggs before they uh, hatch outside because they'll get the pests get to them you know, the wasps and the ants and all that fun stuff, because the wasps also love the tropical milkweed, all of the, all of the bees and wasps do, but, okay. but that's, you know, it's a pollinator garden. Got to put up with that too. Yeah. Yeah. So I grab the, I grab the eggs and bring them in and, uh, but yeah, they do, they will eat it. Very nice. Um, So you mentioned that you have a full cycle operation. Yes. um, And that you're, Taking the, the eggs and everything in. Can you walk us through maybe just a typical one of the cycles of your operation? When do you do okay. it? How often do you do it? Well, I start in, okay, so I guess it starts in the fall, which is mm-hmm. kind of while we're here. That's right. what I do is I start harvesting my seeds in the fall. So I'm looking, I'm going along my drive. I live in Whitby, Ontario, Canada. So I'm going along the drive and there's lots of common milkweeds along the sides of our road. So if the trained eye can pick it out pretty quick. And uh, what I do is I'll, I'll stop and I'll go and grab some seed pods when I can see the fluff, just like that, um, that visual that you had to promote this show, there was that uh, picture of that milkweed pod and the fluff started coming out of it. And mm-hmm. once that happens, once it opens, that's the time they're ready. They're dry enough, the pod opens, and then, you know, you can, you can grab it. So I just snip some, throw them in a, throw them in a paper bag and, and take them home with me. And that's plenty, one or two pods, you'll have <laughs> tons of milkweed. There's oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need very many, but. I, t- I tend to, you know, think, oh, this one's really good. I can't leave it. I have to bring this pot home with me. So, <laughs> so I do that and I collect, uh, yeah, so I collect the seeds and then um, I put them away. So you have to, with the common milkweed, it needs to be uh, stratified. Is that the correct term where it has mm-hmm. to be, for, it has to go through that cycle like it would here in Canada, you know, that freeze and thaw cycle. So I stick mine in a baggie. I've done two ways. I've done both just drying an envelope into my freezer and left them. And that's fine. And it also works with the paper towel, wet paper towel method. So they get that moisture again, the freezing and the thawing. You leave them for one or two months until you're ready. Um, I found it doesn't matter uh, which way you do it. I found they both germinate, but the germination process isn't easy. So that's one thing I found with Calm. And it's a little bit harder to get that germination happening. So then in March... Yeah, about the end of March, I start pulling my seeds out and getting ready and get my grow light because I start indoors. So I've gone from fall, I've had that bit of a break, nothing to do with caterpillars or monarchs or anything like that during Mm -hmm. that period of time. I get kind of some respite. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm back into it with the planting. And that's really when things start again, because, you know, you're watching, trying to get them to germinate. So if for anybody that's tried milkweed and not been successful, a couple of tips that I can suggest is that you can take the common milkweed seeds that are a little more stubborn. And I put them in a baggie in like a Ziploc baggie full of water. And you can put a little bit of hydrogen peroxide in there so they don't get moldy. Okay. Okay. Into the water. And you just 
stick them on a windowsill. So they're floating around and you'll see in a day or two, they start to sprout just like a bean sprout would. And that's how, and then you can, so you're starting, you're forcing that process and you guys probably know more about that seedling process than I do. Again, I've just got to, it's been Google has been my, my help. Been really yeah, Matt's helpful. got the science. I always say he, he's the science guy. right, Matt? <laughs> yeah. So then once that starts, I just, I stick them in some soil and uh, away they grow. Very nice. We have, um, Kelly's actually written in as well. Um, so cool, J&M. Can you transplant milkweed? So you're starting them inside. Um, you're obviously growing them in pods mm-hmm. under lights and you're going to transplant them out. Now, do you find that there is a certain size or age in which they do or don't transplant better than not? For sure. Again, this has been trial and error for me. So I wait till they have at least four distinct leaves. Okay. So they're about, I would say they're about three inches tall, not very big, about three inches. They have four distinct leaves and then they'll be good. But I also wait with our weather. I wait till May two, four weekend, you know, that old, mm-hmm. that, yes. you know, the old rule of thumb. Yeah. <laughs> and then once they have four leaves and it's past that time, I, I feel safe for them Put to go out, out. Okay. now. If you're talking about, this is where it gets a bit tricky. If you're taking an adult or say you're on the side of the road and, you know, you want to take a sprig home with you, uh, that's a little more complicated. They don't do well. It's not like you can re-root them very well. Mm -hmm. You have to really get the white root. You have to dig down. And I don't know. I always feel funny taking a shovel to the side of the road. I wonder what people think I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Burying somebody, you know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, I I have tried to, and we do have a listener asking the opposite about um, how to get rid of them. So I have <laughs> been to clients' homes and they haven't wanted them or yeah. they have too many of them. And they've said, you know, help yourself if you want to take it take yeah. take it and I have yet to be successful so I've managed to dig it out yes. but I've never managed to be able to get it to regrow like replant it and stuff and I've tried them like I've tried like a bigger plant and then this one client I went back again to and got like a littler one and I yeah. thought okay let's let's try but yeah so it's not they're not really transplantable Mm-mm. um and, and it so is for, possible but it's tricky it's trickier yeah and yeah, for our I, listener yeah. um, who's asking about how to get rid of it, I mean, I think digging them out is preferable to using a p- pesticide. Um, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just missing her name. There we go. Oh, there we go. Uh, Hannah, um, just because butterfly eggs could be on it. And, you know, so I feel like um, oh, yeah. it's, it's best to kind of, um, if you have to um, try to make sure there are no eggs on it. And if you, if it's in an area where you do need to get rid of it, unfortunately, then mm-hmm. do your best to, to dig it out. Um, yeah. And or, uh, can I make a recommendation sure. with that as well? So yeah, the eggs and the caterpillars, and there's a lot of other creatures that live on that milkweed that are milkweed friendly. There's just ton, there's beetles, there's, um, ladybugs, there's all sorts of things, aphids, which we don't love, but we'll talk about that. Anyways, um, with that, if, you were to post, if anybody wanted to get rid of their milkweed, all they need to do is post on Facebook, hey, I've got milkweed, does anybody want it? Because there's so many people that will come and get it and they will dig it out for them. Mm. So I mean, I know there's so many people that would do that for them rather than having the pesticides and 
Yes, yes, and killing the whatever creatures, yeah. you know, native plant, native pollinators and stuff. So there you go, Hannah. So that's something in your in your Facebook group or in in a, mm. in a neighborhood group. You can post that you need some uh, milkweed removed, and uh, someone will come and do it for free. So even yeah. better, and you don't Especially risk the damage a- to yourself with using weed killer, right? Yeah. I also, so Absolutely. that's good to know. So there yeah. probably is a. Have you been successful ever of digging it out and potting it? Yeah, so I've taken, I've actually transplanted you initially, remember, I told you I put them in Mm. containers initially, well, I wanted to put them in bigger containers, (laughs) because I felt that they had outgrown them. And the transplant, it lasted through the season, but then didn't come back. So something had happened, Mm -hmm. that it didn't, it didn't come back. So I just had to had to regrow it. And starting over is it's kind of sad, because again, you get what, okay one year and then mm-hmm. the next year it's fabulous and it goes like wildfire from there on in but right and you know the monarchs don't mind how little the plant is to be honest I've had a monarch lay an egg on like a two three inch milkweed sometimes they're desperate for it so they'll lay mm-hmm. that egg wherever they can find it so it doesn't matter the size of the plant mm-hmm. they're just looking for somewhere <laughs> yeah they're looking to dump eggs <laughs> Nice. Um, we also have Winnie asking about the milkweed says, hi, is my milkweed poisonous to pets, especially cats? Thank you very oh, much. Oh, that's an interesting question because I know that the milk in the milkweed, it bothers, it's, it can be toxic to people as well. Yeah, if you get it in skins. your eyes or skin. I have never had a reaction from it and I'm sure mm. I've eaten, I've eaten some along the way. <laughs> by accident but uh, uh, I've never had a reaction now for I keep my cats away from it if I have it indoors but they don't bother with it either it's mm-hmm. a great question I'm sure because there's properties in it that's meant to be toxic so when the monarch caterpillars eat the milkweed it makes them toxic to birds mm-hmm. so that's interesting I'm wondering that's a great question mm-hmm. I'm not sure yeah, but that's another one for our poisonous plants show, right, Matt? We keep talking about yeah. people often ask that question. I think for my, you know, of course it's not my cat, but like I think it's it's something that mm. it tastes probably tastes so bad that you're not gonna and no one's gonna ingest like birds don't you know eat eat it and stuff. You no, know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's one of those things that you need to eat a lot of it in order to get like have it be poisonous, and it yeah. tastes so bad that no one's really gonna eat it kind of thing so yeah and I have cats and I've never had any issues yeah that's good to know but I'm not a vet and yeah I don't yeah I don't know know, kill a cat because I said that it's okay (laughs) so yeah yeah Yeah, and that's how I've always known it too is the sap from the leaves and the stems usually uh more poisonous in larger quantities Mm -hmm. um and it's a resinoid or a resinoid how do you say that uh cardiac glycoside or whatever they call them so yeah yeah so I I don't think again if your cat took a bite or two I it's not an issue there's animals are usually smart that way but yeah Yeah. definitely in larger quantities I've always known so they're not interested in it at all as far as I can tell oh that's good to know so you've brought it in and you have cats oh yeah not an issue Mm -hmm. excellent um I just want to ask go back to that baggie in the water in the in the window so do you, as soon as it has sprouted, you t- like a bean, you know, I'm picturing yeah. like that bean that we grew. Yeah. Do you do it right away? Do you leave sure. it for a period of time? Yeah. I let them grow it? a little tail. I let them grow enough of a little tail that I know it, it'll, you know, 
it'll take in the soil, it'll root, exactly. So then I transplant those ones. Now, some not all the seeds will germinate for whatever reason, I guess that's why there's hundreds of them in each pod. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I, I seem to so I, I, I try that method. I've also used where you take some soil, moisten the soil, mix the seeds in with the soil, put them in the baggie, flatten the baggie. And again, something to do with the heat in the window, having the soil, having the very moist condition, it it really helps it with that germination. So I've done it that way too, quite successfully. But the water has almost worked the best for me, that water trick. Excellent. And now do you put it in, let's say, like a seed tray and then pot them up? Or do you go right to putting them in individual like four inch pots or something? No, I have a I do a seed tray. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just buy those seed trays and I buy my own uh, seed soil, you know, the mm-hmm. seedling soil. Yeah. Buy that yeah. and uh, yeah, get that going. And okay. the tropicals are, are so easy to germinate. I mean, they germinate this in literally it seems like days. So great. Oh, so fast. Great. And almost 100%. Okay. Very cool. Oh, yeah. Like awesome. they have no stratification period whatsoever. Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah, and they're hard. Yeah. They're, they, yeah, it's great. It's really easy. That's why I love them. Nice. And that's how you were saying you're propagating your own tropical. You're the, they're just self seeding yes. varieties. That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Very yeah. Nice. Nice. Now, have they started to lay their like? Have they gone ready for harvest? Those seeds Not and your they're all they're they're almost ready. So it's still they. You know, it's getting colder at night now. Mm-hmm. So every morning I look at them, I'm like, ooh, yeah. So they're they're starting to turn now. But I would okay. say another week or so, they do need time to really dry out and crack open. They need that okay. extra time. So I'm going to pay mm-hmm. attention more to the timing now that you've asked me uh, <laughs> to see if is it Thanksgiving? Is it after Thanksgiving? Yeah. What is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I, I just can tell by an eyeball when I'm looking at it. You know, it's right. 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 <laughs> and, and and considering our listeners are kind of like like a larger region, right? It could be in Ontario right now. They're not quite ready, right? Or in the GTA. Yes. But, you know, maybe a little farther south, they might be starting to be ready. So that's that's something to look for. And it's good to know that you don't need to get like a dozen pods, like one, one or two pods is plenty. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One or two pods is plenty. And then uh, depending on the variety uh, and your conditions where you're living, you'd probably have to put them in the fridge at minimum. Okay. Okay. Yeah. To get that stratification, trick it into believing winter is coming. Yeah. Yeah finishes all those little processes inside. Mm-hmm. Um, Susan has written in, hi, milkweed people, sun <laughs> or shade for planting? <laughs> sun, please. Mm-hmm. Sun, Lots please. of sun. Lots yes. Of sun. Yeah. yeah. Full, full sun plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even though we've seen milkweed grow in the strangest areas, but yeah, they love yeah. the side <laughs> of the road under a shade, under shading tree. I don't know. It's funny the way they grow. And uh, the soil seems to be really um sandy mm-hmm. they love that sandy that sandy soil that roadside yeah. kind of you'll see it along the roadside quite often mm-hmm. yeah yeah it doesn't need yeah though you're not adding compost and like amending mm-hmm. the soil like they it really likes whatever soil and that's been the case when I've been at clients homes it's been odd like right under a tree like where there's nothing else grows but it's growing mm-hmm. or between you know they um the client where I tried to dig it out where they have a fairly good size yard um and a metal um fence around the pool and so like in the in the gaps between the you know the fence and the the grass like you know and it's kind of like they're tucked in between like the 
I'm going to say the spokes, but the, you know, for sure, the, the fence, yeah, the fence. And yes. it's kind of like so funny that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, there's some people that are really, really genuinely trying to grow it in a, in a beautiful garden and <laughs> it doesn't grow. But in this case, um, and then I had another client who up in Ashburn has, I designed a beautiful, I think a beautiful garden for her. And this was like second year and I was visiting, I had to replace one shrub. And so she was giving me a tour looking around. And then she's like, can you come up to the front though? Because there's like a group of plants that I don't remember us planting. And there were probably like six, six, two spots where at least six plants. And I said, um, that's milkweed. (laughs) And they looked, they they looked so stately as if they claimed the space, like they were never planted. I don't know what she did. She was, I did not see that last year. I have no idea. We gutted this whole yard and and replanted. And, and I said, well, you, you probably don't want 12 plants. Like that could be a lot. I said, but, but you could take out a few, but you know, leave some Mm -hmm. for that. And she was excited, but yet careful that she didn't want, you know, the whole garden. Yeah. No, I understand that. So I should follow up. Reminds me, I should follow up with her to see how she made <laughs> out. Um, but uh, so yeah, so it's amazing how they can pop up, and but yet, and when people don't even realize it. But then another times when you're really trying to grow it, like you yeah. said, it took you some time to get going on it. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, then, uh, then that's the case. Yeah, you know? trial and error on different mm-hmm. spots in the yard and different conditions and different soil. So yeah, we had a rock garden out the side of the house, literally. And I thought, well, this is I just I got a spot. I'm gonna try it, and sure enough. It took off like wildfire, like wonderfully. I was so thrilled. I'm like, you see it? How big it is? It's awesome. But yeah, not everybody loves it. Mm-hmm. Right, oh. right. Um, I did plant butterfly weed. So okay. Matt, you can you can pronounce the botanical name for Aesculus. Go ahead. Asclepius. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I did notice now it's, I had never, I bought, tried it in the past, right? Buying it from a garden center. I know what you said about the, the pesticides mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and I've always had it, like seen it uh, grown in like four inch pots. So it was like this little pot and I've planted yes. it and it's never done well. Uh-huh. And I've tried that a few times. Um, this time I managed to find one and it was like in a one gallon pot and it was massive. So I thought, oh, uh-huh. maybe I'll have some luck at doing that. Um, so it certainly stopped blooming when I got home, but I did keep it alive. But I'm just realizing now that it does have pods on it, much like the other milkweed. So I'm wondering if I should be looking out there to see when I Keep can harvest my own butterfly weeds yes. just to see I'll exchange some I'll I'll yeah. give you yeah I'll give you some yeah. common or some tropical for because yeah, I okay. that's one I haven't grown I don't have that variety yet. yeah yeah Asclepius tuberosa there you go oh yeah mm-hmm. another a North American Ontario Canadian native mm-hmm. awesome found your way so good to let her go yeah well, as we reach the very bottom of the hour, I'm going to jump in and just say thank you, everyone, for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. Thank you to those, two who are listening at home or in the car. You've downloaded the podcast. We appreciate you just as much. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host and co-author, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the wonderful guests like Lisa Ray Cormack, who join us here on the show. Don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at down the garden path podcast is our handle there. You can also find us on all of your favorite podcast providers. And while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. 
We love hearing from you. You can always write us here any time of week. Uh, down the Garden Path Podcast at hotmail.com. We get our mail there. And you can visit our websites. You can find Joanne at www.downthenumber2earth.ca. And you can find myself, www.naturalaffinity.ca. So milkweed, milkweed, milkweed. <laughs> We've talked about growing it. We've talked about um, the couple that you have grown. What else do we need to know about growing our milkweed? Did you want to talk about pests? Yes. Yeah. So you know that the monarchs are feeding on it. Mm -hmm. Birds and other insects investigating. Who do we need to look out for? Aphids. Aphids. Really? Aphids. Yeah, I had a bit of a disaster in one of my uh, milkweed uh, plants outside where this year it just got overtaken. It was one of the ones that's right in the ground. So in the past years, I've been able to kind of fight them off with marigolds. Naturally, really? again, there's really nothing you can do. You can't spray like soap and water because that'll kill the monarch uh, eggs. So really, you either have to suffer with them and pray or... <laughs> Or, you know, the do the marigold trick. And the marigolds in the containers, like I said, really is effective. I found that okay. I plant it throughout my tropical as well. It keeps them right at bay. I just am surprised, but it works really excellently. So the ones in my garden, the big patch that I talked about that I planted in that rock garden, that, and it really, it did well, grew really high. It's got to be four or five feet tall. They're wonderful. Oh, wow. But they got this huge infestation this year of aphids and it just took over to the point. And then the aphids, they excrete this sappy, sticky goo. They poop. Yeah. (laughs) And then the ants come Uh. like, it's just, it's one problem after Mm. another. And then the leaves actually get choked out because they're so, the leaves get so sticky and they suffocate literally. So my plant Mm. turned black and, yeah, it was okay. hard to watch. And the and black I didn't, is... Sorry, I didn't really your, know what to do. Yeah, that's the sooty mold starting to grow inside of the frass. Of the... <laughs> oh, yes. yeah, I tried hosing them off, but like the patch was so big, it's hard to kind of do that. And, you know, like I said, there's a lot of other beneficial insects that are on there. Mm-hmm. there not everyone is a photo milkweed, although some of them look pretty scary. Some of these bugs, <laughs> bright red beetles and things like that, but they're friends. They're fine. Now, Matt, would ladybugs have helped that situation? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I was going to say. Um, so Lisa Ray, we've had um, natural insect control from Niagara region on the show before and they actually will sell in uh june and july some of our native ladybugs that you could release in your garden uh in the evening and they'll climb up and eat and if they find a good smorgasbord they'll (gasps) lay tons of teenagers and eggs and they'll just sit there and cycle Mm -hmm. with all of your natives great i can do that next year thank you (laughs) so they wouldn't but they but the ladybugs wouldn't touch the monarch no. eggs right i don't think Not, so they would just they'd go after the aphids like that would be like a smorgasbord for the aphid mm-hmm. for them to, to eat the aphids so that yeah. might be something too yeah so that it doesn't happen again right next year if mm-hmm. those aphids have left eggs or whatever however they reproduce so yeah so that's a good idea but yeah. making sure it's the native uh ladybugs mm. okay yeah 
And natural insect control just then um, does those ones. That's right. Yeah. But they oh, also are what like Sheridan or some of the other nurseries like Sheridan, like our local nurseries also carry and and I see products as well, right, Matt? Right, from the nematodes to the ladybugs and yeah. other traps and things like that. And they'll yeah. all have varying lines yeah. from them. Yeah. But you can order them directly from NIC online, Lisa's Lisa Ray. Okay. So perfect. Yeah. So that's good to know. So nice I think that one. And then you can maybe release them in the other areas just as prevent them from mm-hmm. You know, showing up there, right? Because I think yeah, for sure. it's probably harder to deal with once they're already there. But if you can kind of get ahead of them, mm-hmm. you know, mm. yeah, the ladybugs will climb up. Um, you want to do it at night and spray some water, and they'll drink water, and then they'll climb up in the evening. They won't fly away at night because they can't really see, um, oh, but they'll find some food and they'll hang out during the day. But if you release them and they climb up and they don't find really much, they'll start to spread out and take off to look for things. Okay. Yeah, so they yeah that's great to know. Thanks for that tip. Yeah. What a great show. I hope everybody, all of our <gasps> listeners, are enjoying the packed information in here. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, can you tell us more about, because it seemed like I've seen the little egg on the leaf, mm-hmm. and then, like, what, how do you get from that to, like, having the guts to, like, bring that little egg into, <laughs> inside, and where do you put it? And now I must say, and it, we do have a comment, a funny story that uh, Lisa Ray was actually a student of my father-in-law's. Oh, so, that's and he right. he said hello, by the way, because I told oh, him you were going to be on the show. Oh, um, and my mother-in-law may be listening. Marilyn may be listening. And she, it's funny, they have, uh, they're in a condo, and they have, where they park, there's a U-hedge, a very thick, tall U-hedge, and there's one piece when you were talking about a small piece of milkweed there is yeah. one piece of milkweed that's dense in the hedge but comes right out and she will find an egg on that every year sometimes oh, wow. two this year only one but then that's the only source of, of milkweed they have so she goes Uh-oh. when they eat through that she has to go looking for milkweed yes so I have <laughs> swamp milkweed which I've been effective able to grow no sorry I thought it was swamp but it's actually poke milkweed so I'm growing poke milkweed okay I have yet to find anything on it though um Mm. which is weird but but they but I have given her the leaves and they we didn't know if they would eat them and they have when she's been desperate they've eaten them so um so yeah so that um um, yeah, I feel yeah. her pain. I've been on yeah. that hunt many times where I'm looking for for clean milkweed. What I mean by clean is because I've even gone to some of these parks in uh, the Whippy area. They had this con- conservation park type of thing where they said, oh, this is for pollinators and it's like protected and it's all roped off and beautiful and they had all this milkweed. So I was really desperate. So I, got, I clipped a a stem of milkweed off to bring home because I needed to feed some some caterpillars. and they had paid, they must have sprayed pesticides because all my caterpillars died. So I called the town and I had said like, what's up? Like, do you guys spray this area? She said, yes, they had sprayed for low to the ground for uh, poison ivy. And I said, how is that in a, in a pollinator garden? How can you do that? So I was, I was really sad, but so I look, I have to look for like literal roadside people that I know where people aren't going to be spraying pesticides. And then I clean them really well because they do pick up exhausts and you know, they get kind of gunky and dusty and from the roadside. So you have to wash it too. But yeah, I've been, I've been on that, uh, in that situation. (laughs) So what happens is when the egg gets dropped, right, you have 
three days, that egg is only going to be there for three days. And during that period of time, only 3% in the wild, that egg will hatch only 3% of the time in the, in the wild. That's why I bring mine inside every right. egg I find. I'm like, I have to bring it in. Yeah. I have to so do you cut it. the leaf and bring it in? Yeah. Like it, cause it, yes. Okay. Yeah. I just pull the leaf and I bring it in and then it hatches and it starts to eat the, it eats its shell first and then it eats the milkweed and then it grows and it grow eats for about 15 days as a caterpillar. And it, if you were to think of a human, our size growing in 15 days, the size of the Statue of Liberty, that's the change. Wow in their in their composition from the time they hatch when they hatch you can't even see them hardly with your naked eye yeah they're stuck like a little tip of a pen yeah and then they just overnight it's amazing to see the transformation and then at about day 15 they go up to the top of the enclosure and they begin to build they're get ready to go into that pupa state or that chrysalis. Mm -hmm. So they build a button and then they hang. It's such a strange process. They actually hang from in the, in what's called a J hang. They hang from the top of the enclosure by their butt. So they Mm -hmm. make a button with their mouth and then attach something on from their butt and hang down in a J. And then after about 48 hours, the skin dries and they turn into, they, they bust out of the skin. It's hard to explain unless you've seen it. They bust out of that skin and form this gorgeous chrysalis. Wow. And then now, it's like that it, for, yeah. how, long? how long is it like that? 11 days has been my average, wow. 11 days. And then yeah. they'll emerge. Okay. Now, do you, when you say enclosure, so what do you, I've heard of different people use different things. Um, My family is very um, patient with me during the (laughs) monarch uh, raising season. So in my dining room, (laughs) my dining room table turns into like, yeah, this, I've got a lot of Tupperware containers type of thing. And so I've got little, you know, the babies, I've got them at different stages. There's five different stages of caterpillars and I try and keep the sizes together. I don't want to mix them up too much. So I keep the eggs in one container and then the they're called instars so one through five different size of instars in different containers so when I at my peak I think it was about 2020 I was I had yeah (laughs) I had 60 70 80 going at once it was a lot like it was taking me two hours to feed them a day and clean them because you have to clean the frass and like you have, there's a lot of work involved. So I was like, really? it was, it's demanding. Yeah. Sorry. So I had, I had the operation in my living room. And then I said to my husband and through research too, it says, you know, if you're going to do captive r- raising and that it's not necessarily ideal, you might want to think about figuring out how to do it outside in their natural environment, protected protected because they you have to protect them from the wasps that's the number one thing the wasps love to eat those caterpillars and birds will try to but the birds spit them out because they're toxic anyways so my handy husband built me an enclosure for outdoors (gasps) yes so (laughs) I was so excited so I've been raising them outdoors and been very successful at doing that 
in like it's a literal like it's a stand-up enclosure it's probably about six feet tall by two feet wide by a foot deep type of thing and uh with a big door on the front and I have my milkweed plants in there and change them out clean it out yeah it's almost like I don't know it's just having another another pet really you're just yeah, constantly absolutely like farming I'm, far, I'm farming caterpillars farming <laughs> well monarchs. and I've, I've been scared to do it or to try it because I feel like that tends to be you know my big busy work season which, which isn't yes. right these days but I'm like my fear is that I it's one thing to like to try to grow a plant and I end up killing the plant which is sad I know but and that happens but <laughs> yeah. to, like then to like run it forget to you know what I mean you forgot to water a plant or put the plant in the sun but to forget to do something to a butterfly and kill yeah. it I don't know if <laughs> I can live with myself so that was heartbreaking just a bit more I, I yeah to, to, try, to try it it's a big responsibility but I would suggest for anybody just to try one or two not get crazy about it mm. I mean there's no need real important thing here is not about raising monarchs it's more about planting milkweed that's the key because that's what's that's why they're endangered because there's not enough food source for them Mm. so Mm. I've learned that and I've and I've kind of changed my approach Mm -hmm. and now it's all about the milkweed for me yeah because the common was on the uh, invasive species list for so long despite its native being in its native habitat um just where we cultivate she just takes right in because it's perfect growing conditions yeah yeah so we've and then to learn on top of that not only have we like mowed it down for the last like decade to two decades right um right and then to learn i didn't learn know this either three percent chance for that egg Mm, so not only have we destroyed their homes but only who of all those who have survived and are landing and finding spots only three percent on that like minuscule percent of milkweed left mm-hmm. over is actually making it through and i don't think I a lot of people know that that three percent that just really puts their whole mm-hmm. endangered mm-hmm. right into oh, perspective. Yeah. It's yeah. not as yeah wow mm-hmm. wow yeah. <laughs> Now, have Lisa Bray, have you listened, read anything about um, the issue with dog strangling vine as well? Mm-hmm. Have you found anything about that? No, when you mentioned it to me, I was quite surprised that that was being confused by the monarchs. Yeah. Um, so initially, Matt, I thought it was uh, b- that they were related, That, um, um, but then I've heard it's more of just like a lookalike plant. I mean, it has that same pod and it, that same seed spread. Um, and our, you know, in our region, I mean, we are being eaten alive by dog strangling vine, both our forests, our, our parks, our neighborhoods, and people don't know what it is. So like, I've been really trying to spread the word. Um, and also that let people know that if you did pull it out, or you did think it was a weed, and then they're putting it in the compost bags. Well, that's mm-hmm. not good either, because it really should go in the garbage. It's not oh, wow. it's it's roundup, it's roundup resistant. So spraying it doesn't work. Oh um, and so what, so just for our listeners to recap, um, mon- because it looks like milkweed to, uh, monarch butterflies there, and, and it's not in the milkweed family, they are laying their eggs on it because it's everywhere. And then the leaves are poisonous to the caterpillar. So that is also, I think kind of, you know, not yeah. help, certainly not helping the situation. Right. No. 
Um, and I think too many people like even and the cities aren't keeping up with like even in the public spaces, you know, here in Pickering, I've like two walkways that I, you know, the cat, the catwalks, we call them. And, you know, the city isn't been getting to like weeding those or kick, uh, and taking care of cleaning those up. And that's fine. I mean, but except for the dog strangling vine, you know, so there's now there's dog strangling vine growing between the chain link fence and the wooden fence of the neighbors. And so I, every year I, I went for a walk yesterday and I thought, oh, I got to come now with my garbage bag. So I take a garbage bag and I, I cut it at the base myself and then I pull it, wind it through the fence and pull the, at least getting rid of the pods yeah. so that we're not getting more seeds. Yeah. So, so, um, so I've done a post on social media recently about it and we've done past shows about dog strangling vines. So if any of our listeners are, are curious about that, um, then please reach out and I can explain more. But we want to talk more about the positive of uh, milkweed and <laughs> and butterfly. Now, I've heard, um, have you done, I've had met ladies in a garden club who've done the swallowtail. They've bought dill yes. and done the swallowtail butterflies as well. Yes, and I stumbled upon that by accident. So any of your listeners that uh, grow parsley in your garden, this is where I, I accidentally came upon this caterpillar that looks like a monarch caterpillar lookalike. It's the same coloring, but just the stripes are a little bit different. It really shocked me. I was like, what, what is going on here? It was on my parsley, eating my parsley in my garden. So then, of course, I'm on to Google. I'm looking this up, <laughs> what is happening? And then I realized it's a swallowtail caterpillar. And they, they look for, what is it? It's parsley and one other type of herb isn't it dill dill Dill. dill? i think it's dill okay so they'll lay their eggs specifically on those two plants and then you know again the egg is you can't even see it with your Mm -hmm. eye the egg is so small and so there Mm -hmm. you are enjoying your garden salad and my goodness it's horrifying to me (laughs) so i stopped growing it i stopped oh my gosh i "I can't i can't i can't i can't (laughs) Oh, oh but yes, I have raised them and, and those are really cool because yes. completely different. And, completely. um, okay. this year, what happened with me is I had some overwintering from last year because I raised them indoors and they have this cool mechanism, kind of like what a turtle or a frog would do is they almost, it's like an antifreeze that they built up beside them because my house is air conditioned. So when they were when they were chewing, when they were eating all of my parsley, um, they were in this beautiful climate controlled environment and not out in the heat. So they thought that they was the end of the season. So they built up this antifreeze type of deal. Anyways, they went into their pupa and I waited and waited and waited months. They didn't come out of the pupa. I'm like, I must be dead. Oops. And then, uh, no, it took the full year. They came out this March. This March, I held on to them just in case they were in my outdoor enclosure and I kept checking on them as the weather was getting better. And I've got this gorgeous butterfly. I was like, get out of here. I can't believe it. Oh my goodness. It was like 11 months or something insane that it overwintered. Yeah. That is incredible. Mm -hmm. I've heard of, um, you know, those pop up, they're kind of like a mesh, um, like laundry bag. They're like a pop up ones. It's a must. With a, with a, like the zipper, like, I think they're yes. popular for university students, right? Like I remember pop up and they zip oh, their yeah, like circular, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Pop up. Um, so those I've heard of people using as an enclosure. Enclosure. Yeah. You, so the holes on those actual university laundry, laundry hampers 
aren't as tight as the actual ones. You can buy those mesh things with the zipper on them. They're specifically for raising monarchs Monarchs. and uh, probably other critters, but um, but they're nice and they're big and they're excellent. They're easy and yeah, easy to clean, easy to use. And it's a must, especially when the, when the butterfly comes out of its chrysalis in your house, you have to be careful how to, how you transfer that outside because you don't want to let it loose in your house. It needs to be in an enclosure, right? Because you're never going to get it back once it's out in your right. house. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it's amazing you got got work any work done though, because like I think that all your t- right because when it when I it know. when it becomes ready to go out, like you've got to be home, right? Yes, I plan it. Like I can tell, I have it down to a science. Like I really know on who's going. You know what's happening. <laughs> I've had to take them on vacations with me sometimes and release <laughs> them up at the cottage. I've had to. Yeah, I brought one across wow. the border this year. I had but yeah I know I had to but yeah I was feeding a caterpillar and it came back and forth with me without any incident so it's fine that was released here dedication that dedication um do you want to tell us a little bit about the monarchwatch.org monarchwatch yes okay so I um so monarchwatch.org is an organization they do a lot of education around raising monarchs and their food supply and things like that and and you know what's happening with them as far as their migration patterns and their decline and on the rise so it's a great site to get tons of information on there so when I was researching I also found that they offer this opportunity for people that have pollinator gardens or that grow milkweed um, and have a safe space for monarchs to eat the the uh, monarch butterflies as well as lay eggs and go through that process so you have to have so many I guess um, so much space dedicated to that pollinator garden and I filled out the form and I was able to meet the criteria at my property so I am officially a certified monarch way station so I've met that criteria which is pollinator gardens and growing the milkweed and like again having that safe space in that enclosure okay so it doesn't involve like tagging them like have you looked Mm. into any of that where tagging them as they the, and registering the numbers. So that's next. I've Is not next? done that. I've I've known other monarch enthusiasts who have done that. Um, they go down about this time of year and go down near the lake shore, anywhere along the lake shore, and then there you'll see them with nets and they're capturing the butterflies and sticking stickers on them, tagging mm-hmm. them, what it's called, and uh, tracking them. And uh, hopefully they find out one day how far. Uh, south their monarch made it and uh yeah so I haven't gotten there yet it is something I'm interested in and learning more about and and, okay. and doing in the future for sure okay well call yeah. me when you're when you want to go and okay. do that I think that would be okay. interesting and I think I'm really going to try I will definitely hopefully will harvest some butterfly weed yes, um milkweed you. for you this year and uh, I'm definitely going to give it a shot next year I think it's wonderful uh, it's just it's fascinating mm-hmm. and I feel like it's just that I've, I've even talked about climate change and, and, uh, and things in the past about everybody's looking for the big answer. And I think there's a lot of big answers out there, but sometimes I think it's about the little things, right? It's about the little steps that we can do. And if we can all help um, something like the, the monarch butterfly mm-hmm. by doing things like getting rid of dog strangling vine, mm-hmm. like growing some milkweed, um, you know, we've got a few more listeners who want to kill it, but I, I think yeah. it's, 
looking at it differently and, and not looking at it as a weed and looking at it as a source of um, sole source of food for the monarch mm-hmm. butterfly. I think it's real. I think, you know, that's the thing, right? Like there's a lot of pollinators and there's a lot of plants we can plant for bees and butterflies and yep. the butterflies love coming and, and taking the nectar from my, my pollinator garden. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have anything to feed, you know, side. So well, my, I don't know why no one's come to my poke milkweed, oh. but anyway, they will. Um, they will. Um, it still grows yeah. every year. Um, and uh, anyway, so but I think when it's when you realize that milkweed is the only source of food for a monarch butterfly, you know, I want to say That's this right. again to all their listeners, it's the only source of food. So, um, you know, that if you've gotten some that has happened to come into your yard, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good thing. And yeah. um, let's look at the positive and not think about immediately um, going to the pesticide. Um, if you, you know, if you have to dig it out, I guess, but, um, yeah. yeah but and I call think- or reach out to, mm-hmm. to a monarch group on Facebook near you, they'll come in it, they'll either dig it out or they'll cut it down for you. So it's easier to dig out because they, that milkweed, I mean, they're feeding uh, monarch caterpillars, so they need it. And right. a lot of people are looking for it in season. Um, so yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so that's something that's good to know that if you don't want it, that you could, it's like a crop, you're growing a crop for somebody else, right? That's and right. if you put it out there that you're growing that just like all the people who have extra mm-hmm. hostas or extra marigolds or whatever that they're growing. Exactly. Um, you know, if you have, and it's not been contaminated by herbicides, then that's a good thing. Like you said, it's right. clean. It, um, it is clean uh, milkweed. So very that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. So what any plans to do something differently? So you bring it inside, you've got it on, a, on like a grow, grow lights. Yes. Yeah, no, it seems what I've got going on seems to be working so far. Um, it's just a matter of and, and now what I'm doing is I'm offering those seedlings out like I reach out to the monarch groups in my neighborhood too. you know, there's lots of families with little kids that want to try it and plant their one little milkweed. And so I'm offering, I always offer up the seedlings for them to come and grab them and they're happy to take them, put them on my porch and they get scooped up pretty fast. So where it's getting around, which is heartwarming. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I may yeah. reach out to you about our garden, like our plant sale for our horticulture clubs, too, because I think right. that might be a good thing to do. So, yeah. yeah. Right. And I've got lots of seeds. So, okay. okay. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> Beth has written in fantastic show tonight, Joanne and Matt. I learned so much. Does your guest have a website all about this stuff? If not, she should oh. uh, make one. Thank you. So, that might be another way to get your word out and, okay. and reach those people about your seedlings and etc so yeah 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 no I don't have a website but thank you very much I will consider I will consider that yeah yeah so but I think it's wonderful that you're an you know a gardener and and someone's passionate about it and and like you said a lot of trial and error to 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 figure this out I think that's wonderful yeah it's uh, been an interesting hobby and certainly an amateur um still learning I learn lots every season um yeah it's it's been it's been a real exploration and it's been so rewarding well well, thank you so much for sharing your journey with butterflies and milkweed thanks for having me on down the garden path thanks for having me you're welcome thanks everybody bye for now Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your host, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.